So the special day is almost upon us, and it's time for a special final show of the year. We'll find out exactly what Paul is hoping to get in his Christmas stocking, and just who is doing the stuffing in the Davis household. On a more serious note, we'll talk about the vital handouts which have been promised to clubs after the SFA's deal with the National Lottery. We'll hear Kenny Young's response to why clubs who withdrew from the West of Scotland League can feature in friendlies and in this season's Scottish Cup. Plus, there's the second part of an interview with Clyde Bank boss Gordon Moffat, which was so good we thought we'd make another show out of it. Tis the season to be jolly, or so they say at least. We'll do our best as for the final time in 2020, we go down the divisions. Good to have you along for another 60 minutes or so looking at Scotland's lower leagues. First of all, Paul, uh, the big match of the week, major monopoly getting played in your house I hear, uh, so much so that we had to move the podcast uh, by a day. No, I don't think that was the reason I had to move the podcast, Gareth, but it's uh, Monopoly is uh, the <laughs> featuring in the Davis household quite a bit, and uh, it's uh, we've had three games now over the last week. My youngest son, Brody, uh, is loving this, loving this game, so uh, he's won a game, I've won a game, and my wife, Gail's won a game, so it's just my oldest son, Jay, now, so I think we'll uh, have that back on tomorrow, tomorrow night. The big news to me... Great game. It's been around for years, but definitely an underrated game, Monopoly. Well, the big news to me, Paul, was that there's no longer a top hat. There is a top hat. I told you why. There is oh. a top hat. But the pieces are smaller. And for the, for the, for the listeners here, uh, obviously me and Gareth have been talking about Monopoly this week. And I did say to you there was no top hat in the box, but there was. But the ship, there's a ship in there, but it's awful small. It's a bit like, you you know, when you buy whispers now these days, they're a lot more smaller than they used to be. They used to be, are they? But it even comes in a smaller box, Gareth. Monopoly comes in a smaller box. Mm. It's the modern world, Paul. Things right. are getting smaller. Absolutely. Another call-off for your new mains side on the weekend. Weather's been horrendous, isn't it? And, and now you've got no game until the new year. The weather has been horrific. Uh, even... It's not even so much downpours at night. It's the, it's the ground's constantly wet. We've got three areas in our pitch that's struggling that we, we just can't seem to get the water out of. And obviously, we can't even start looking at putting drains in it at this time of the season because obviously it would need reseeded on the top. Uh, it's been <laughs> it's been tough. It's been hard. Uh, we we cancelled the game off. We gave Glasgow Perthshire uh, some notice quite early on. I think it was Friday night, but then I still had people coming on complaining saying how can the game possibly be off well the pitch is absolutely soaking it sits in a basin you know it's the water comes from the bankings around the side of it and as I say it is only three small areas and the small areas might only be I don't know 10 foot square maybe not even that it's just that it won't pass an inspection and we would hate for teams to become especially in November and it happened last year with Iron Bank a team turns up and the referee goes and bounces the ball on one area of the grass and calls it off. They had travelled. So we tried to give Perthshire plenty of notice. Uh, as I say, obviously, still wasn't good enough. Uh, I don't know whether that was some of their supporters had come on saying hey, there's no way the game should have been off, but it was. The pitch is wet. No other reason than that other than the pitch is soaking. We have spent lots of money on the park. We spent a couple of thousand last year putting about 80 tonnes of sand on it. Uh, we spent money this year 
getting it a, I think called Shockwave put on it through the guys who look after the part. But again, it's just, it must be further down the part, you know, below the roots, because the water's just not draining away in these three areas. So if anybody out there knows how to get a waterlogged pitch and get the water out of that waterlogged pitch, please do get in touch. You can get in touch at downthedivisions at gmail.com. I'm sure Paul will be uh, very happy to hear from you. Absolutely. Uh, no game, but a Christmas message from New Mains United this week, which has a, a serious part to it too. Yeah, the club uh, put a Christmas message out. We obviously work in partnership with Breathing Space. Uh, we carry the logo on the sleeve of the shirts. Uh, we've got a, a, a great relationship with them. I think the club, the actual, the, the deal was set up prior to us even going to the club. So I think this is maybe the fourth year of doing it. The guys at Breathing Space are brilliant, but obviously in return we they use football and the football club as a, an engagement tool for people that's maybe struggling this year with mental health. This year of all years because it's, it's tough times for everybody. So we've done that. We put that out on the internet, and we always get a great response, and all, we always get you know good following figures off the back of it. No, and it's and that's a huge credit to the media academy and the guys that that put these things together. We are just the guys who who have to appear in it and <laughs> and, and put the message out. But also, we've got a club photographer, Graham, who Graham previously worked with the BBC Symphony Orchestra. And he put together the music and got singers and all that. So whilst it's a small video that maybe only lasts a few minutes, the work that's gone into it is absolutely tremendous. And for a small club like New Mains, for the, the wee village that we're from, to have all these people wanting involved and to, to put orchestras and stuff like that together is absolutely fantastic. It certainly looks uh, looks excellent. You can you can see that on the club's uh, social media channels and on the club's website. Uh, just a quick mention to our sponsors who are design agency 44 Creative. They have a team of highly skilled and passionate photographers, graphic designers and videographers to help promote your content, brand, organization or event. They make creation personal. Find out more at www.44creativehq.com. We'll include that link in the show's description on your podcast player too. Back to the show, and please do keep the comments and suggestions for guests coming. If you're a club in the lower leagues looking for more exposure, we'd also like to hear from you. Send us any post-match audio interviews you have, and we'll play them on the show. Our email address is, as we say, divisions at gmail.com. That's divisions at gmail.com. Or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. My name's Tommy Sloan, Auchinleck Talbot Manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. We'll chat some more in a moment and hear the second part of our interview with Clyde Bank manager Gordon Moffat. But before we do, we've got this week's Down the Divisions decider. We'll give you four clues for a particular club, then give you the answer at the end of the show. This week, you ready, Paul? I'm ready. I'm looking for a club from League One down who became a junior team in 1985 then a senior team just a year later. Right. They've reached the third round of the Scottish Cup three times. They moved into their current stadium two years ago. And they won promotion to the SPFL in 2019. 
I've absolutely no, oh, I think I'm maybe. I was going to say I've absolutely no idea, but maybe I do. Right, we'll find out the answer, and we'll find out if you're right at the end of the show. My name's Callum Graham, Ashfield striker, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. I mentioned the SFA handouts to clubs, Paul. Uh, it's a deal worth £1.35 million pounds, uh, with a national lottery, which has been designed to help support clubs through the COVID crisis. Uh, for, first of all, how vital is that to you at New Mains? It's massive to every club. I think any club that decided this year that they were going to compete uh, without the crowds coming in and revenues coming through the gates and the the limited amount of sponsors that are out there because of the COVID pandemic, then, then this money is absolutely vital for us. Uh, did we expect anything? I certainly never expected any money. Uh, and I'm going to give massive credit to the SFA, the Scottish FA, because... Uh, I think I went on record this week as saying this. We're quite critical of the Scottish FA on times and, you know, West of Scotland League is dead easy to criticise, but to try and secure this money has been absolutely fantastic. I've seen it at the top where I see a lot of teams criticising it because I think the Championship are getting a lot more money than uh, Division 1. But can we all honestly, hand on heart, say we were expecting anything? So obviously the way it filters all the way down the leagues, we're getting a nice bonus, I suppose, to the end of the year. And I can't thank them enough for it because for us as a club, well, it keeps us going for a good while. There seems to have been some uncertainty about the, you mentioned the the championship and the, the leagues higher up, but also within within the the lower league structure, if you like, the below the SPFL, below the, the Lowland League and Highland League, about disparities in payments as well, regarding like, for the example, the West of Scotland clubs who have pulled out, there's been talk about, you know, some might get less. Is, is this something you've been aware of? And is it is it, is it right that this is happening and, and people are unhappy? I don't know. I, I don't know what the top teams again. The only amount, the figure I know is, is what we are getting as a club because we've, we've had the, the email through. And I'll mention it on here because we had Chris Strain on the show, and I'm sure it was Chris, forgive me if it wasn't him, I'd, I'd put a thing on uh, Twitter last week saying that uh, what did everybody think about the split? And this it, because the teams that are not competing this year have pulled, they, they decided not to compete and not getting as much as the teams uh, that did decide to compete. And he just said that uh, he was just wanting people's feedback. Uh, forgive me if it wasn't Chris that put it up, I'm sure it was, uh, and some people had come on saying, you know, oh, we decided not to compete this year, uh, we were told we wouldn't be punished, and now we're being punished because we're getting a lot less than the teams that did compete. I'm going to be honest, Gareth, I could sit and fence in it because this is money I did not expect. If it, if it got split equally, I wouldn't have had an opinion. It's just a bonus for everybody. What I will say is the increased costs that we've had, you know, for training this year, Travelling to the games, then maybe, maybe from it's dead easy for me to say because I'm, you know, we're getting probably a, a larger slice of the pie. But I think, from our point of view, that it's fair. We decided to compete this year, eh, and yeah, we've got we've got the added expense. Albeit, I'm sure some of the teams that didn't compete might still be training, might still have those costs, but they don't have the travelling costs and they don't have the the costs to compete. 
you know, with the lack of revenue for sponsorship, they don't need that. They're not paying out this year because they're not competing where we are. And even small things now, like I mentioned previously about our pitch and, and you know, that's welcome money because I could actually get our pitch sorted for next year so we don't have these problems. Uh, two weeks ago, we were talking to Ballas Hill Athletic assistant manager David Menelos about clubs who have pulled out of the West of Scotland League playing friendlies and, and being in the Scottish Cup. Uh, we mentioned we'd get clarity off the West of Scotland League secretary Kenny Young. And before we'd even had a chance to ask him, uh, he'd listened to the podcast and kindly got in touch to give us an explanation. So according to Kenny, as it stands, as long as a club is still in membership of the West of Scotland Football League and carries the proper insurance uh, and that they're still abiding by all the rules, regulations and protocols, there's no reason why they should not be allowed to participate in friendlies. Some of the clubs are still training and they see that as a way of keeping their squad together. The same goes for any team still holding a membership of the Scottish Junior Football Association. They're still entitled to play in the Junior Cup. They have only withdrawn from the West of Scotland League and the Challenge Cup. Does that seem fair to you, Paul? Very reasonable. That's a, that's an, again, like the SFA, we talk about they get criticised. Kenny takes a lot, or, or the anybody that runs leagues takes criticism. Kenny's come out, he's cleared that up, and and I think that's a, a reasonable explanation, isn't it? If uh, teams are if teams are got the proper insurances in place. And they've opted out for financial reasons. Maybe they can't afford to pay wages for players this year. Uh, that's fine. What I would say is, though, if the reason they pulled out was because of safety, they couldn't guarantee safety, which a lot of the clubs did say, I just don't see how they can guarantee safety during a friendly, but couldn't do it during the league games. If it was 100% financial, then I take my hat off to them. Everyone's got that right to, to sit out and, uh, yeah, why not? Why not play friendlies and train if, if you know if it was a financial reason why they pulled out? Good stuff. Well, we'll, we'll take a break there and we'll come back later in the show. Uh, now it's time for the second part of our interview with Clyde Bank manager Gordon Moffat. Uh, despite dropping their first points of the season in a draw with Rossvale, Gordon still has the Bankies flying high at the top of the Premier Division. Kilburnie late side assistant boss Des Roach stepped in for Paul when we did the interview. So you'll hear him asking some of the questions too. Hope you enjoy it. Looking back over your career, how do you think Gordon Moffat, the manager, would describe Gordon Moffat, the player? Limited. No, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think uh, I like to think I'd, you know, I'd done fairly well in terms of the level I got to. Um, like I say, for, for the ability I had, you know, what I mean, I'm. Um, <laughs> Certainly, when I look when I look at some of my boys just now and what they can do with a ball and stuff, you know, I'm just you know stand back and think, geez. But getting yeah, your own team? <laughs> nah, no, no chance. Um, <laughs> nah, I mean, I, I, I like to think I, I done all right. You know, I, I could have probably could have probably pushed on a wee bit and probably, you know, maybe took a couple of wee wrong turns at times. But um, but I, I mean, you know, to go and to go and play senior football was always my sort of ambition. You know, for a very young age, you know. I was in it kind of south from sort of 11, 12 year old, um, still playing for my boys club and signed S forms when I was 16. So it was, you know, it was like a, like a million young guys, you know, it's um, it was it was in my head that, you know, I wanted to be a footballer, that was what it was about, but never was never quite good enough to make it full time. Um, 
and you know happy to admit that. But you know, I had a reasonably good part-time career, played some senior football, um, some great experiences, you know, around the around the top end of juniors as well towards the end. So, ah, I've I've not really not really got any regrets. Where, where would you? I mean, we've talked about your in in the spell you had at Clybank and how much you enjoyed that. Where where else would be the the sort of the happier memories that you'd look back on? Um, I think probably all you know all my clubs is, is obviously like like most guys that have played you've got good memories in parts at most clubs but um, I mean when I left Queen of South and went into Annan you know it was at the time it was a tricky it was a tricky decision because um, I was playing with under 18s in the reserves at Queens um, and then the reserve league got scrapped so we all we all got offered one year deals basically to stay on but. It was on the proviso that you're competing with 18 first team players for a spot, so it was going. You know, the first team squad was going to like 30 bodies, and uh, I just felt I was 18 year old. I just felt this isn't this isn't for me. I I, I need to play. Um, which again, in hindsight, if I'd stuck in, you know, I, you don't know how that would have went. But I went to Annan, um, and again, Annan had a had a first team of reserves and an 18, so I started off playing. Uh, 18s on a Sunday and the reserves on a Saturday so it was two games in a weekend really um, which again now you know a sports scientist and that would have a yeah. <laughs> uh, flip out way but um, you know that was that was the way it was then and you know I was quite happy to do that and after a short time you know probably not even a season uh, myself and uh, Gary McMenamin who's now my assistant at Clyde Bank the two of us got moved up from 18s and reserves into the first team and we and we never look back really, and, and probably Annan, like to answer your question, Annan was, you know, I have got real fond memories of there, you know, I was there for five, six seasons. Um, it was all like, you know, it was a cream of the crop from down that neck of the woods um, that, that weren't playing for Queen of the South, I suppose. So we had, we had some right good teams over the years, um, played with some fantastic players and, you know, I've made, I've made friends from that group for life, you know, I've got guys from those teams that, some of my best mates, so definitely Annan would be one to mention. Um, but I mean, you know, when I when I moved senior, and definitely you know some good times. I'll be Rovers, East Stirling. You know, I was only there eighteen months, but brilliant times there as well. It was at a time when the club were the club were really on the up. You know, the new owners. It was I, I was probably in a window with East Stirling that probably was really foreign to them, and that they had. They had money, you know, they had, you know, we had a lot of buzz around the club, we had attention, we had Sky Sports there at one point, I think we'd won, you know, we'd won like 10 games in a row and Sky Sports were there, you know, it was a big story of Easterland coming through being bottom of the league team to going on this run, you know, we, we played Rangers at Ibrox and the Scottish, you know, it was, it was great times there, it really was. Was that, and then, was that under Jim McAnally? So the second season was... Um, so it was Gordon Wilde that signed me for, uh, for Malbian Rovers. Uh-huh. And then um, Jim McAnally came in sort of towards the end of that and sort of finished that season. And, and I thought, I'm looking around going, Jim came in, good manager, been at a good level, played at top level. And he's signing guys from what is now our, the championship. You know, he's signing full time. I'm looking around going, I have absolutely no chance here. And, <laughs> you know, he... To, to be fair to Jim, you know, I'd, I'd done all right in the games I played with him. I think I'd played against um, his Morton team, and he, he, you know, he'd mentioned that to me. He's like, you've done well against us. 
um, and he offered he you know, gave me another year, um, which you know I was grateful for because I, I really I genuinely didn't think that would happen, and it was it was me that brought it to an end, and it's probably my one wee regret in football that I, I pushed the button too early on that. I just kind of spotted on me a wee bit. I was, you know, mid-twenties and I felt I had to play and I was kind of in and out a wee bit. I was I was playing in one system but in another system I was on the bench and I, I just, it kind of came to my head. I'd, uh, we played a CIS Cup game at home to Livy and I was playing right back and uh, Lee Griffiths was wide left for Livy. They were playing a 4-3-3 and I'd yeah, done really well, well against them. Uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd done right well against them, and uh, I think I think I got I think I got a CIS man of the match that night, and so I was buzzing. You know, it was a Wednesday night. And I was you know probably one of my best few ones in football. You know, and uh, came to, I think Saturday and we're awaited on Barton. I was on the bench, and I was just like, in fact, I might even be in the stand, <laughs> and I was just you know like, what's going on here? And it, you know, it, it changed the system. Um, I think to a three, so. He didn't see me as a wing back sort of thing, and it was just I just uh, like I say, spattered on me a wee bit, a wee bit petulant. Just said that's me, I'm, I'm done. Did he, did he come and speak to you beforehand and let you know? Obviously, you played so well the, the game before. Uh, yeah, I can't even remember if I'm honest. I can't remember if I'm honest, but I mean, I, I got on great with Jim. You know, there was no, there was nothing bad in it at all. It was, it was all on me. I just spattered on me. I said, Jim, I'm away, and he, I spoke to him on the pitch after the game at Dumbarton. I think we'd been, I think the kind of mind think we'd been beat. And I just say that, like, I understand where you're at, but I, I need to go and play. And, and to be fair, he was like, it was coming towards the end of the window, and he's like, right, we'll, we'll get something sorted for you. And there was nothing, there was nothing bad at all with how it left the club. It was just all on me. Um, but it's probably one thing I was like, I'd have maybe just, should I maybe just stuck that out and see what happened? I think, I think they got to play off final that year. It was a good season for them. Um, and I, Aye, I was looking in with a wee bit of regret towards the end of the season, but um, so I, I know I said I've got no regrets, but that's maybe the one small one I had. I think Jim is the Jim is probably the most controversial, best and worst supervisor I've ever had at a game because he he tell <laughs> the side of the bark. You've been leaving any doubt about that, but uh, no, I got I, to be fair. To be fair, Jim, he'll, he, if he doesn't like it, he'll tell you. If he does like it, he'll tell you as well. Uh, Aye. So, it was, it was good, uh, it was good good with me, Jim, you know, like you say, straight down the line, you know, he would, he would, he would tell you straight and I thought he was a good good coach, you know, good manager and he's probably one that I, I took a couple of wee bits and pieces from. Um, uh, he, was, he was a good guy. I suppose the biggest question of all in, in your career, as we've said, Albion Rovers, Annan, East Sterling, Albion Rovers, Glen Afton, East Sterling, Clydebank, Kirk and Tillock, did Des Roach ever book you or send you off? I don't know. There's a fair, there's a fair chance. There's a fair chance. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I don't know how many actual reds I had in my career. I mean, I wasn't a dirty player, but you know, I could. That's not what Des said before you came on tonight. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I could. Uh, no, nah, I mean, I would, I would mix it. I like, I like the physical side of the game, but no, nah, I, I wouldn't regard myself as a dirty player. Um, but I, a fair few bookings, but. No, that many sending off, so I don't know, well, maybe. I started refereeing in the lower leagues category one 2010 and kept that going to 2014 when my second son was born, so there's probably a fair chance we came across each other through. Aye, we did have done, done, definitely. You obviously then joined Rossville 
and uh, took your first steps in management and then were very successful there for I guess for, for quite a young at quite a young age as well was 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 stepping into the dugout something you always wanted to do or was it something that the Kenya came laterally in your playing days uh, no it was always something I wanted to do I mean I, I referenced uh, Gary before I mean we've spoke we've spoke about it for since we're sitting in a dressing room you know oh, really? yeah. that early I you know we always sort of said, guys, is like, oh, you'll be a manager, you'll be a manager, Moff, I'll be an assistant. And he always sort of says, I'll, I'll, I'll be the banter guy that the boys like. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so uh, he, he always had that in his mind. He's like, I'll, I'll be the nice guy that boys all like and come to and, and you'll be you'll be that guy. And I'm like, um, so I, we, we'd spoke about it quite early on. Um, I think it was it was probably accelerated, obviously. I ended up retiring with the, um, got the injury in my socket with Rob Roy. Um, when I was captain at the time, and that was a wee disappointment. You know, I, I kind of didn't really. Rob Roy never got the best of me at all as a player. I, I done it in the first league game of the season, and I came back and so I saw the season out, but I never really recovered from it. I wasn't the same player. My, you know, fraction of my eye socket, my retina was popped. I, I, I couldn't. I just didn't commit to things the same, and I was never the same player. And I knew that was that was me, and it was sensible with my job, you know, work with computers and stuff, I thought it's sensible to, to dip out. So um so I obviously was lucky enough to get the opportunity. Um Max at Rob Roy brought me in straight in as a coach and then next thing Paul Ronald leaves and I'm bumped up to assistant and I'm like, right, it's a sink or swim here. So it was it really did accelerate. And then I think getting that wee bit of experience as an assistant and the sort of responsibility and that Maxie gave me it, Rob Roy to do a lot of the, you know, the, the sort of tactical side and set plays and all that. And I thought, no, and that confirmed it to me that I'm like, nah, this is what I want to do. I don't want to be a sort of right-hand man. I don't want to be an assistant. I want to be a manager. Um, and when the Rossville job came up, um, you know, obviously went for it. And um, it was just, it was something I wanted to do. And I, I, I know that, Obviously, the majority of people wished me luck at the time, but it was one or two going, what's a wee bit of gamble, like, you know, going down the leagues and all that, and you don't really know, you know, the lower leagues, and and I just I just thought, I just kind of backed myself, and I thought, like, I know the game, I'm confident I can go in there and do all right, and again, probably pleasantly surprised myself just how well we did, you know, it's kind of, it's probably a dream scenario when a title in your first season as a manager, it's like, only ways down, but, um. I was, you know, I was delighted, and and that was, you know, it was testament to the people I had around me at Rossville when I went in. You know, I couldn't get Gary straight away. He was club captain at Rob Roy, and had to wait for him. So, um, you know, but and uh, had had Drew Marshall, who's still with me in my backroom team just now, who's excellent for me. Um, and Kurt Forbes helped us out with coaching as well, who's also in my backroom staff. So, you you know, you end up, you know, Gary's been my best mate, you know, through life, and it's always been the plan, but. I end up with another two guys with me who are, who are now very trusted and, and friends as well that um, you, you know you pick up along the way and that's that's the way football works and that's for me that's what's amazing about it you know I've ended up with a backroom team now that you know just second to none. Three but three banter boys. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> how much how much how much responsibility do you devolve onto onto your backroom team? I mean, how hands on are you when it comes to training during the weekend? And stuff like that. How much involvement do you have? Do you do, 
do you take part of a session? Do you leave the whole session to your to, to, to the guys that are working with you and then get feedback from them and you have like a, an overview? What what's your what's your style of management? What, how do you like to, to go about things and operate? Uh, I'm, I'm I'm quite hands on. Uh, I like to I like to get in amongst the players and, and coach and some I'm hold. I'm I'm quite um you know I, I like to get across certainly with my style of play, but in terms of when I went into Rossville, you know they were probably at the time they were, they were probably leaking too many goals. So I did a lot of the stuff I'd done with Rob Roy, you know, in terms of shaping the team. Uh, working on sort of without the ball a wee bit because on the ball you know I could see that with with a lot of a lot of ability and we we're going to score goals so I do like to I like to coach and I like to spend time with the guys and doing all that um, I think at, at Rossville it's kind of been it's kind of similar to what we've now ended up at Clyde Bank I mean Kirk takes um, bits of the chaining and and is and is great with it you know that's that's why I obviously brought him brought him with me because he. He sort of fits into the style of how how I, I would want things coached, and he and you know he gets it in terms of seeing the game and stuff. So he he does a lot of it. Gary still takes part in a lot of the sessions. You know certainly um, at what Rossville he was playing last season. He was he was training all the time. This season he started to sort of dip away from that a wee bit. You know he's starting to now transition over his coaching, and uh, Gary started to do his his badges and that. Um, so that that transition is now starting to happen of uh, Gary coming across, but I at the moment it's kind of you know it's, it will kind of be split. You know maybe uh, Kirk will take the early part of the session, then I'll come in and sort of start painting the picture of how we're taking that into a match situation. Um, a Thursday certainly I like to I like to have my time with them to really think about the game plan, and uh, it might be we're you know doing some defensive shape or it might be if we're playing with the weekend we're really focusing on some patterns of play and stuff so I'm quite big on all that and um, but at the same time you you know you've got a backroom team there for a reason so I don't want guys standing doing nothing and it's it's all me that's that's not what I'm about at all um, but we try and so we try and we try and split it up that way Drew, Drew does a great job in terms of set plays and all that and Drew does a lot of stuff out with just being on the coaching field and all uh, as well in terms of like the statistics around the squad and you know there's no there's no fact around our team that we don't know because Drew's meticulous and all of that as well so it's just having that well-rounded backroom team and like I say that's for me that's what I've got I've got um I've also got Phil Bannister here I should mention he's in doing my goalkeeping coach and he's been first class this season since we've brought him in. Yeah, I think that's a big selling point to, to players as well when they see how well they're being looked after as we said if you can't offer them the the kind of money that they would expect elsewhere, at least if they're getting the professional attitude and the professional approach and everything their needs are looked after. I think what what the big thing there is, and certainly that's the way we look at it, is we give players every opportunity to succeed and not fail. So we put a big emphasis on what the players do away from the away from the club. So we've given them like a, a weekly schedule, what we expect, um, so that when they come down with us on a Tuesday and Thursday, and we've only got them for an hour and a half to two hours, everything is football-based, absolutely football-based. So they've got to yeah. do doing their gym work and doing their recovery sessions away from away from the place because we're certainly my perspective and I'm sure you're the same we're not there to get players fit players shouldn't be unfit and uh, certainly in the current climate so if they take care of themselves away from the pitch when they come we'll give them every opportunity to succeed and it's only themselves that can say they never took that opportunity yeah and I, and I totally agree I think I think at part time level and you've only got them for 
three, four hours on the training pitch a week. It's it's difficult to cram something in, everything in. I mean, there's there's weeks when I would I would easily have a three or four hour session if I could get away with it with them, but um, I'd get pushed back on that. But no, you're right. Tuesday night we'll we'll make it a harder night than the Thursday, but it's it's pretty much all with the ball. It's very very rare that um, the boys come in and do any sort of old school running. Uh, don't get me wrong, you know the, the occasional time, you know, if they need to be top up, we'll give them, we'll give them a, a wee blast exercise. But you're talking, they'll maybe do eight to twelve minutes work, and that's it out the way, you know. Right. And then we're we're back on the balls. Um, and really, a lot of the a lot of the match fitness is coming from those Tuesday nights. You know, the they're, they're doing it's all high intensity stuff, so they're doing high-intensity possession and pressing drills and they're loving it and they're enjoying that and having a laugh but they're coming off drenched in sweat and yes. you know and that's that's the way I like to operate and I'd said to them after the game at Beaver Saturday I mean we got stronger and stronger as the game went on you know it was obviously nil nil at full time and then for me we took over an extra time and we went three nil and that's what I said to them after the game that you know that's you know your pre-season but also your, your Tuesday nights and the hard graft that we put in on the balls, that's that's came to the fore there. Um, some some of them could have went another half an hour on Saturday. Um, so that's like you say, that's done to them away from the pitch as well. That's not coming for three four hours with me. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think um, am I right in saying when when you took over at Rossville, you'd have been what thirty four? Yeah, I think so, thirty four, thirty five. You must have been going in. There were guys similar age to you in that squad that you were kind of now managing. Can, can you remember walking in before giving your first team talk to that squad? And, and I mean, what are you, what were you like in that situation? Were you buzzing that this was the chance and you were kind of ready to deliver it or inevitably are there nerves going in for your first team talk to a squad of boys you don't maybe know personally? Uh, listen, it's, it's nerve wracking. There's no doubt. Um, and probably any, any coach manager who's had to, you know, stand up in front of a group of twenty men will probably tell you that. Probably lying if they're saying they've never been nervous doing that. I think, I think it's something that, you know, you definitely grow into. I, I don't think about it too much at all now. I'm more focused on I need to get all these pieces of information in, and I don't want to forget something. I'm more nervous about forgetting something that <laughs> yeah. I've either I've either had in my head or noted that's important. Um, but no, definitely in those early days it's um it's nerve wracking, you know, and I, I said that to again, you know, to Gary, um, as my assistant for example, was like you need to you know, you need to get used to talking in front of guys and being confident with it and again that that comes and, and, and now he's getting there and it's it is, it's it's not an easy thing to do. It's not for everybody. That's what I would say. Like, some people wouldn't that wouldn't be their thing at all. Um but again I think the probably experience I had from Rob Royce did me in good stead with that because again, like I say, on a match day or at training, Max would give me my give me my wee bit, and you know after his his main team talk, I would get to run through some stuff on the board and some individual bits and pieces about the other team and stuff. So that was all good experience for me because there was some right experienced players in that dressing room. So I think by the time I went to Rossville, I was kind of I felt ready to do it. I think the only the only added bit in there was that you're the man now, that you know, you're you're the manager and you're, everybody's looking to you for the answers. So that brought us a wee bit, wee bit of pressure. But no, it's something that to be honest, it's now something that's something I enjoy. You know, I like to I like to think about what I'm going to say, particularly in a match day. 
I like to think about how I'm going to introduce the game, how I'm going to sort of um, build things up for the boys, and then what what detail I want to get in, and how we're going to win the game. That like it, that excites me, you know. Analyzing our team, looking at our strengths, saying this is what we're going to do, lads. And then when it comes off, it's you know, <laughs> Des will tell you, it's, it's an amazing feeling when you're you're working all week, you're planning, and it comes off, and you're just like, it's it's a great feeling. But again, that's it's on the boys to execute that. You know, I, I heard somebody say that on a podcast the other week that you can have the greatest plan in the world, but see if the boys decide to do their own thing, you know, or, or you know, it only takes two or three to go and not quite understand it. But that's that's where I've been lucky that both at Rossville and Clydebank so far I've had, I've had great groups of boys who, who are good players, but you know, want want to listen and want to sort of apply themselves. And that only, that only comes through you having the, the opportunity to spend time with them and get across your ideas and they understand what you're, what you're thinking of the of the matches and the preparation that you put in. Because you could, as you said, you could put in all the preparation that you want and it could just take three individual three individual mistakes and the, the game's completely turned on its head. So I think that's where you get that wee knot in the stomach of excitement, of anticipation, but of that, um, that ambition. That it takes you to be the level that, that you want to be as a manager, then you then put the expectation on the players. I think that's a, a that, that's a huge thing for you. Yeah, and I, there's nothing better than that. You know that you've um, you've planned and you've seen a game. Like you know, it sounds it sounds daft, but I, I do. I, I play the game out on a Friday night, a Saturday morning. You know, standing in the shower, and I'm like, I know they'll do this, and I know we, I know their players, I know their front two, and. You play it all out, and you know, you know that that's just because it means a lot to me, you know. But as um, there's nothing better than when it when it comes off. But for every one of them, you've got one that you're standing, you know, on a Saturday night going, got that wrong, you know, and 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 that that does really that eats you more, you know. I'm, my wife will tell you that, you know, like I, I don't even I don't even enjoy the victories that much. I don't think, you know. Probably on a Saturday night till about eight o'clock, and then I'm starting to watch clips of who we're playing next week, and she's going, "What are you? What are you doing?" You know, whereas if you lose, if, you know, if we lose or draw, it just consumes you to till you can get back to Tuesday to get on the training pitch again. My my wife's going mental now. We've no, we've also not even played. She's like, "You're part time. You're not playing. You're not getting paid. Why are you on the phone so much?" <laughs> You forgot, uh, but you forgot. You forgot the loaf and milk. You may be going back to work. Uh, it's, it's, it's very, um, it's very difficult. You know, I've, um, you know, I've recently moved house. I've got, I've got a wee girl. You know, my wife's frantic with her job. She's a head teacher, and I uh, sometimes she just gives me the look when I'm on the phone. You know, she's like, she you know, through the summer was through the summer's always the worst time for her. She'll tell you, you know, because we're maybe standing somewhere on holiday. One this year, right enough, but. Normally standing somewhere on holiday in, in Spain and I'm on the phone trying to sign a player, you know, and it's like it's it's just she doesn't get it, you know, she doesn't get it. But I'm like I'm like, look, it's not gonna change now. I've been there a long time and uh football's been my sort of life for that for that length of time. So she knows it's not gonna change, but it doesn't make it any easier for her. Well, certainly doesn't. just before we finish off this part of the show, Des, you, you must have had some uh, stories of Clyde Bank back in the day. Well, obviously we spoke about it earlier. Uh, Claybank, without even thinking about it until I got it today, Claybank actually has probably been intertwined with my my football for a long time. I took, I think I took my very first game for Claybank when they played at the Old Glenhead Park uh, when they shared with Drum Chapel Amateurs when they were obviously away from Kilbowie. Um 
and I think my first game was a Scottish Cup replay and they, they did win the game I'm pretty sure they won the game but I sent off Sinky Suter uh, Moff you'll know Sinky yeah. now it turns out I work with Sinky <laughs> never does he mention it? maybe only three times a week <laughs> He never, he never forgets to mention it. Uh, also, a guy who works in my department, uh, Stevie Morrison Snowy, who was at Coburnley last year and also weekend, he was manager at Claybank. I think he, I think he even told me that he played in goals four times for them and ran the line against Inverness Cali Thistle at some point and mm-hmm. put up the goal nets, done everything. And then uh, one of your current players, Nicky Little, also yeah, his old man's a painter in my work. So again... Mm-hmm. What about campus all the time and folk are, folk are talking about climbing. But one of my good friends, or two of my good friends, Martin McInnes and Kevin Bell, ex-goalkeeper, mm-hmm. uh, we all went to uni together. Uh, why Martin McInnes is called Trigger, I'll never know, because he's probably the cleverest guy I've ever met and the most professional guy I've ever met. So Martin and I actually had to book Martin, or caution is the official word, I suppose, in the 2009 Cup semi-final when they beat, uh, they beat Pollock and, and got through there. Uh, so again, Claybank's been, been intertwined and uh, Martin, obviously our gaffer, he's a Claybank boy. So I probably had more, more, more dealings and then my running days, I actually ran for Clydesdale Harriers who are based at a Claybank. So it wasn't until I actually had a bit of a sit-back thing going, Claybank? Nah, I don't really get much. And I went, no, actually there's probably more there. But, but Sinky telling me every three days how I sent him off. <laughs> he's, now, now he's the gaffer in our place as well so uh, but yeah always good times uh, the committee were great with me players generally were fine fans hated me <laughs> absolutely hated me that can't have been a unique thing to Clyde Bank though can it I, I actually think the only the only players that liked me and my two kids who play at the back don't even they give me grief <laughs> Gordon I was going to say to you, uh, you just uh, one other thing you, you mentioned uh, about you know, your eye socket and and, and uh, how that kind of set you back? How did it happen? And 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 did it I mean, did it knock your confidence as well? Presumably, going to going back out on the pitch, thinking one wrong turn and could it could it go again? Yeah, um, it happened uh, down at Lags. Um So I so I just I I just left Clydebank. So I'd, I'd went to I'd went to Rob Roy and. Um, Maxie gave me the captaincy, and so I'd had a pretty good pre-season. Uh, been playing well in pre-season, and um, we'd, we'd played. It was when the, you know you played the sectional league cup as well, so came through those games, and I'd, I'd, I was playing well. I was feeling quite good. I was feeling fit, um, so I was quite confident, you know, going into this season. And then it was a first league game uh, away to away to Largs, and I was two minutes into the game. Uh, just it was just a long throw. Uh, it was uh, big James Marks just tried to head it on. He's just, just absolutely nothing in it, no malice at all. Just uh, flicked his flicked his head back, and I'm coming forward trying to trying to get a header out of the box, and uh, I've I've ended up just heading the back of his head, and I've just I've just felt it straight away, and I've hit the deck, and uh, I can remember like Johnny Murdoch standing over me, our, our goalkeeper at the time, and he's sort of saying there's blood coming out of his eye, and you know, so there was sort of blood coming out of my eyeball and it was just all, it was basically just red, you know, so I couldn't really see anything. And I thought, I just, I was like, something's bad here. Um, I got taken off, ended up going to hospital and I started to, my, my vision started to come back, but it was pretty bloody. 
and I think it was basically couldn't really do anything with me until the Monday they needed to get swelling down and all that and I was back in the Monday and the, the surgeon basically said it's he says it's like a car crash injury you've had you know the sort of injury he sees if somebody's hit a steering wheel um, and I'd, I'd basically partly detached my retina and uh, chipped my cheekbone so I mean it was it was one of them at the time I never really thought too much about it in terms of the injury and will I get back it was more I just like I need to get fit. I'm the captain. I need to get need to get myself back. Um, but I, it took it took a good I think it was about six to eight weeks to get myself sort of healed and back on the pitch. And I, as I said, I, I never really thought like I'm not going to go in for a header or anything like that. But I just I didn't feel the same. I just hard to describe. I just um, I just never really felt the same, you know, in the real challenges. I just, it was always kind of in the back of my head. I never pulled out anything, but it was always in the back of my head. And I was still getting um, checkups and stuff and going back to the same surgeon a few times. And it, it got towards the end of the season. And I, I said to him, like, what should I be doing here? Because they were talking about putting in a little plastic plate underneath my eye, eyeball to lift it up because it had dropped slightly in the socket. Um and I said to him, what, sh- like, what should I be doing? And he says, look, he says, I'm not going to tell you, I think it was 30, 31, 32 at the time, he says, I'm not going to tell you you need to retire. Um, but he said, if it was me, I'd be strongly thinking about it, given your your job and what you're telling me you do for a job. He was like, put it this way, you wouldn't want to be taking or not hitting that exact same spot. And he says, if you're heading the ball 20 times a game, you know, you need to be thinking about it. So... I basically it was it was a horrible horrible decision. Got to the end of the season and basically pulled Max and said, "Look, I'm I'm done here." Like, and it was it was horrible to go out last. No, and don't get me wrong, I've still I've went on and you know I've played some over thirty fives games and stuff. But you know I'd said to the guy I was playing for I was playing for Cumbernauld Colts and I said, "Look, I don't hit the ball." Basically, so I was playing sort number ten off the front and scoring a few goals and that, and just watching what I'm doing, but. Which probably I shouldn't be doing, but it's just, just obviously love of the game. But, um, but aye, that was me done in any sort of competitive level. Have you got any repercussions from it now? Does it still affect your daily life or anything? Uh, I get a few flare-ups if I'm, you know, particularly tired of that. My my eye gets quite sore and behind and stuff. And but no, other than that, no problems with my sight or anything. It doesn't affect my my job or anything like that. So that was the main thing. It was it was probably a sensible decision. So that was Clyde Bank manager Gordon Moffat. Uh, Gordon's done well there, Paul. Absolutely tremendous, isn't he? He's uh, not been beaten this season. Sitting there with 16 points in the league. Uh, likewise, Troon have done well in that league as well, but uh, I some big results in there and some, some big games coming up for them as well. Yeah, Troon are breathing down their necks after moving level on points with them. And... So it's, it's ironic how things work out. I suppose they have got a chance to go ahead of them as they play next first, but but that'll also be easier said than done as they travel to Darville on Sunday in, in what is the game of the, the weekend. Great game. And that is on the Sunday, you said, yeah? Yes. I mean, what a, what a great great game if the crowds could get back in. I think that would be would have been packed. Honestly, is that excitement level about it, isn't it? Obviously, People are expecting huge things from from Mix Darvel. They, I think Darvel will. I think they've got three games in hand, so they can get themselves 
right back up there. That would be an absolute exciting game. And one of those ones I would love to have went to myself. Yeah, I mean, imagine the atmosphere there going, box, uh, you know, a Boxing Day weekend game like that. And I think, I think that's what the West of Scotland League's probably missed out on this year. This, that's a real opportunity, a real big game, a real game to actually show other teams, maybe in the Lowland League, Highland Leagues, Division Two, even that you know, these teams are big, big clubs and, and, and can do well. And I certainly know we just heard Gordon there, but uh, Clyde Bank are desperate to get back up and into the. Uh, up into the big time because they obviously feel that's where they belong but no exciting stuff from the Premier Division Clyde Bank host bottom of the table Cumbernauld United two days later it's hotting up quite nicely there but you'll be watching on Paul for the next uh, couple of weeks definitely as I say because we're in that shorter conference in nine teams uh, we are now off to the 9th of January so uh, albeit we've put quite a strict uh, training resume in. the boys are coming back in three times next week uh, we're going to make sure that uh, you know we keep fitness going and stuff like that but yeah no the leagues are all exciting and it's even if you go down the divisions Gareth all the way down them there's nothing in between top and mid table and all of them really exciting stuff just like I'm, I'm probably repeating myself a bit here but just like the Premier League the West of Scotland's really missing out on something this year and I actually can't wait to next year when all the teams are back in and uh, you know, we've got the promotions and the relegations as well. It's exciting stuff. Hi, Stephen Aitken, East Coast Bayern manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Before we finish up, we'll clear up the Down the Divisions decider. So I'm looking this week for the team from League One down who became a junior side in 1985 and a senior team just a year later. They reached the third round of the Scottish Cup three times. They moved into their current stadium two years ago and they won promotion to the SPFL in 2019. You seem to have an idea, Paul. I thought it was Edinburgh City for some reason. Uh, obviously, because they've come up the league. So the only ones I could think of has come up as like Cove Rangers, Edinburgh City. I'm sure Cove Rangers would have been an older team than that. I honestly, I honestly have no idea. I'll chuck in Cove Rangers, but I don't think it will be them. It is them. No way. They're, they're an older club. They're an older club than 1980. Sorry? I knew they had a new ground because it was an investor put in there, but I actually thought they would have been an older club than that. They, they, are, they are an older club, but they only became a juniors team in 1985. And then, after being accepted into the juniors game, they also applied for the Highland League and then got accepted into that, into that a year later. There you go. Um. It moved from Allen Park to the Balmoral Stadium. Um, so that's that's where they play their, their home games now. I've had a couple of guesses on it and, and done all right. Oh, it's like Johnson Borough the week in a guess. Well, when you when you kind of give about six different options, I mean, you've got a higher chance of, of, of getting one of them right. <laughs> My name's Chris Strain and I'm the Cohen and Rangers manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Well, one thing I do want to say before we finish up for Christmas... Uh, Alec McDowell, uh, who's now been appointed chief executive of the Scottish Junior Football Association and was on our show at the beginning of the year, his wife was in a bit of a bad car accident uh, last week, on, I think it was on the M74, 
And I don't think Alec will mind me putting it on here because he's put it on his own social media. I think she was going in for an operation yesterday or today, still in hospital. So we'd just like to wish Jill and Alec all the best uh, and the rest of the family because you know, a horrible thing to, to happen to anybody. And I know Alec's certainly been, been worried about that. So uh, wish Jill a speedy recovery. No, likewise, likewise. Um, that's episode 37 completed, Paul. It's gone quick, hasn't it? Very quick. No, absolutely fantastic. And, you know, the, the 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 listening figures are going up week after week. It's brilliant. Uh, and, you know, even I go to games now, people will say to me, oh, you've not been on the podcast. Can I go on the podcast and stuff like that? That was uh, David. I thought that was just David Menelos. No, 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 just David. Oh. Quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, honestly, it's, uh, it's brilliant. And considering we started this just as something to do kind of throughout lockdown, uh, it's really enjoyable. It's good, and actually, I've actually met friends through it as well now because obviously guys like Ross Wilson at, at Mary Hill who we've had on, you know, you now got that connection. You now you know speak to these guys and stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's really enjoyable. I guess it's you mentioned the the listeners. It's a good time to give a mention to a, to a couple of the, the more kind of uh, publicly kind of. Supportive listeners, former referee Colin Hardy has always been quick to get in touch with some some kind comments, as is the likes of DJ on Twitter. Uh, looking at the stats for where people t- listen to the show, though, it's it's incredible to hear where some of you are tuning in from. Uh, there are people in Australia, Azerbaijan, the USA, Paraguay, Chile, Thailand, as well as lots from across Europe. Uh, I guess, Paul, it'd be good to hear more about some of these people, wouldn't it? And it'd be great if they could if they could email in just telling us, you know, where their connection is with 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 the game over here and and, and where, where they're based and you know these these kind of things. Yeah, touched on the feedback. It's always quite good when you get the emails throughout the week. Or you'll message me and say, "Oh, so and so's been in touch." Colin, who you touched on there, is a, a big fan of the show and is always, uh, as you say, writing in after shows. And it's great. It's, it's great feedback. We probably to find out what the connection is. I know you're huge in Thailand, Gareth, so maybe <laughs> I don't know if your followers for Thailand have uh, got in touch. I <laughs> 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 will leave that at that. <laughs> Say no more about it. <laughs> so, and, and just last of all, your your plans for Christmas? Quiet one, obviously. Whether the restrictions has been put on on us, you know, we always kind of go to usually go to family but this year we've just decided you know uh, me and Mrs Davis will have it in, in the house and uh, and that's a quiet one we've not really had a great deal to celebrate this year have we in all honesty I also want to know about presents have you, have you asked for anything in particular uh, no not this year uh, I'm always one as you know I've got a little bit of a trainer collection so uh, Christmas is always a, a good chance to get a new pair of trainers isn't it and again Mrs Davis has come up with the goods there Thanks again to our sponsors, 44 Creative, for supporting the show. And don't forget, you can get in touch with comments or suggestions for people to speak to or if you'd like your club's audio featured on the show. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Do leave a comment, which helps others find us and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. One thing left to do is to wish you all a great Christmas, a happy new year, and thanks once more for all the support you've given us over the last 37 episodes. We'll be back in 2021 on Down the Divisions. Yeah, yeah.